accepted interpretation that it was God passing over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt, uh, which was then um, commemorated every year and crystallized in Jesus' sacrifice. So yes, um, every year around Easter, um, we celebrate what Jesus did, that he offered himself up as the perfect lamb whose sacrifice was needed only once because he is holy and whose sacrifice set us free and has given us access to eternal life. You all know the Easter story. If you don't, feel free to read uh, the Old Testament first to understand where the tradition comes from, um, Exodus 12, and then read the story of Jesus, Gogota, his crucifixion and his resurrection and what that means. The Apostle Paul talks about that a lot in many of the epistles, but particularly Hebrews in the New Testament. So before we look at this, I would like to pray because there's something uh, really delicate about touching things that have been commonly accepted as true, uh, what many call slaughtering sacred cows. Believers get really offended easily about things that they have taken to be true when these things are challenged. I'll just say, ask God. That's my answer. When somebody says, how do you know that? That's not what most people think. Da, 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 da. I tell them, ask God. God still speaks to his children. He wants to communicate with us. He's very much a God of intimacy and one-to-one relationship. Ask God. If there was any time when we needed to hear God personally, this is it. I don't know if you've noticed, the world is in a funny place at the moment. So before we tackle this quote-unquote sacred cow... Let me pray. Lord, thank you that you are the truth. You are the truth and uh, we cannot box you. We cannot contain you in our man-made churches. We cannot contain you in our man-made views and perceptions and understandings of the word. You are the word, Jesus. So before I share what I believe to be true at this point in time, through uh, revelation directly from you, but also confirmed by brothers and sisters who have studied this and who have provided ample evidence to support it, in my humble opinion. I ask that the enemy of our souls will not be able to meddle with this, that those who listen to this podcast episode will be able to listen to it freely without any influence from the enemy. And I'll be praying on the basis of 2 Corinthians 10, 4 to 6. Because the weapons we use to wage war are not worldly. On the contrary, they have God's power for demolishing strongholds. We demolish arguments and every arrogance that raises itself up against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive and make it obey the Messiah. In the name of Jesus, I've prayed. Amen. 
So let's start by reading where this story of Passover comes from. We will look at Exodus chapter 12, I believe verses 1 to 14. Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 to 14. So to set the context, God has sent Moses to speak to Pharaoh and uh, to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He is leading the people of Israel out of Egypt towards the promised land. Okay, I'll read this passage where Adonai, the Lord, is speaking to Moshe and Aaron and telling them what needs to be done for this first Passover. And as we read in the Bible, if you continue, you'll see that it became an established uh, religious festival for um, the Israelites. And it was actually a foreshadowing of what Jesus would, was going to accomplish thousands of years later, which he has done now, okay, which is die for us to come back to life through him. That's why I said happy co-resurrection day, because as he died in our baptism. We died with him. We were buried with him. We came out of the water as a symbol of us rising out of death with him. So we are resurrected through Christ. We are seated in heavenly realms. That's the topic for another episode. Anyway, back to Exodus. Exodus 12, uh, 1 to 14, I'll read in the complete Jewish Bible. Adonai spoke to Moshe and Aaron in the land of Egypt. He said, you are to begin your calendar with this month. It will be the first month of the year for you. Speak to all the assembly of Israel and say, On the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb or kid for his family, one per household. Kid meaning small lamb, yeah? Except that if the household is too small for a whole lamb or kid, then he and his next door neighbor should share one, dividing it in proportion to the number of people eating it. Your animal must be without defect, a male in its first year, and you may choose it from either the sheep or the goats. You are to keep it until the 14th day of the month, and then the entire assembly of the community of Israel will slaughter it at dusk. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the two sides and top of the doorframe at the entrance of the house in which they eat it. That night, they are to eat the meat roasted in the fire. They are to eat it with matzah and maror. Don't eat it raw or boiled, but roasted in the fire with its head, the lower parts of its legs and its inner organs. Let nothing of it remain till morning. If any of it does remain, burn it up completely. Here is how you are to eat it. With your belt fastened, your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand. And you are to eat it hurriedly. It is Adonai's Pesach, Passover. For that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and kill all the firstborn of the, in the land of Egypt, both men and animals. And I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. I am Adonai. The blood will serve you as a sign marking the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I strike the land of Egypt, the death blow will not strike you. Right. Um, there were the words matzah and maror, verse 8. Let me look at, for example, the New Living Translation to provide um, a bit of an explanation of what those words stand for. Verse 8. So, uh, it was, it was... Bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. So the bread made without yeast is matzah and maror is the other, the bitter greens. All right, so that's the story. That's the story. So um, the idea was that the angel of destruction, the angel of death would pass over the houses. That's what we've been taught, most of us. 
that the angel of death would, would see the blood on, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the doorposts, etc., and pass over the houses of the Israelites, and so they, their firstborns wouldn't die. Um, yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting because, actually, in what I've read, it doesn't say that. It says, and this is Adonai speaking, I will pass through the land and kill the firstborn of Egypt. The, uh, the blood will serve you as a sign marking the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I strike the land of Egypt, the death blow will not strike you. So it doesn't actually say exactly what we've been taught to believe. Thankfully, some wonderful people have done some intensive research on these topics. So I'm just going to read a few excerpts to you. Let me start by saying that uh, there's a tradition of slaughtering animals um, and pouring the blood when welcoming a visitor and pouring the blood on the, on the, on the, on the porch, on the, on, the, on the sill, on the threshold, at the entrance of the tent, depending on the habitation, the type of habitation. And the, the, the guest is to pass over that blood on the, on the sill, on the threshold, in front of the tent or the house and walk into the house as a sign that they've accepted the invitation. In ancient times, in many, many cultures, this was actually a covenant. There was a covenant then that was established between the host and the guest of mutual protection. You come into my house, if something happens, I will protect you or die. I am now part of your family for that evening. It's a covenant of care, of protection, etc., etc., etc. We can talk about it in another episode. So this is an ancient tradition. Okay, in so many cultures. Let me read a few excerpts for you. I will start with um, <laughs> probably Henry Clay Trumbull. He wrote a book called The Threshold Covenant. It's available uh, quite freely as a PDF um, on the internet. So let me read a few things. Um, let's start with. Yes, let's see. Hebrew Passover or Crossover. The symbolisms. Let's read a few symbolisms. I'll read just a few excerpts. It's a book. So what I just described to you, I'll read it. A blood welcome at the door. The primitive altar of the family would seem to have been the threshold or door sill or entranceway of the home dwelling place. This is indicated by surviving customs in the East and elsewhere and by the earliest historic records of the human race. It is obvious that houses preceded temples and that the house father was the earliest priest. Sacrifices for the family were therefore within or at the entrance of the family domicile. In Syria and in Egypt at the present time, when a guest who is worthy of special honor is to be welcomed to a home, the blood of a slaughtered or sacrificed animal is shed on the threshold of that home as a means of adopting the newcomer into the family or of making a covenant union with him. And every such primitive covenant in blood includes an appeal to the protecting deity to ratify it as between the two parties and himself. While the guest is out, still outside, the host takes a lamb or a goat and tying its feet together, lays it upon the threshold of his door, resting his left knee upon the bound victim. The host holds its head by his left hand, while with his right he cuts its throat. He retains his position until all the blood has flowed from the body upon the threshold. Then the victim is removed and the guest steps over the blood across the threshold. And in this act he becomes, as it were, a member of the family by the threshold covenant, etc. Then they eat together. Let's give you another example. Crossing the threshold or entering the door of a house is in, is in itself an implied covenant with those who are within, as shown by the earlier laws of India. So he was talking about Orientals. What else? Um, 
modern Egyptian customs, for example, this was in 1882. When the new Khedive came to his palace in 1882, a threshold sacrifice was offered as his welcome. At the entrance to the palace, six buffaloes were slaughtered, two being killed just as the Khedive's carriage reached the gateway. The blood of the animals was splashed across the entrance so that the horses, hoofs, and wheels of the carriage passed through it. The flesh was after distributed among the poor. Um, what else? Um, <laughs> in Zinder, in Central Africa, a new king is welcomed at the royal residence with a bloody threshold offering. Uh, may I just say, because much of Africa has been heavily westernized through colonization, um, some of these traditions may not exist anymore. Um, but for example, there's a tradition of pouring a bit of spirits towards the entrance um, when there's a party or something, which also is reminiscent of that. Well, it's between that and the honoring of ancestors, basically, though, uh, which is not a Christian uh, tradition. I'm talking about animistic practices, yeah? Uh, among the Arabs in, Af in Africa, the blood welcome of a guest at the threshold of a home is a prevailing custom. The usual welcome upon the arrival of a traveler who is well received in an Arab, Arab camp is the sacrifice of a fat sheep that should be slaughtered at the door of the hut or tent so that the blood flows to the threshold. He's talking about Liberia, where a fowl is killed, its blood is sprinkled at the doorway. In Russia, receiving an honored guest with bread and salt at the threshold of the house he enters is common in Russia. Bread and salt are symbolic in primitive thought of flesh and blood, and this threshold welcome seems to be a survival of the threshold sacrifice. To step over or across the blood or its substitute on the door sill is to accept or ratify the preferred covenant. But to trample upon the symbol of the covenant is to show contempt for the host who prefers it, and no greater indignity than this is known in the realm of primitive social intercourse. It's an old book, hence, uh, um, hence the, um, the language, yeah? Um, and there's various traditions... For example, uh, in Finland, they say to shake hands across a threshold instead of crossing it is to ensure a quarrel. Uh, so you see that uh, there are so many, so many um, traditions that indicate that this is a thing. Now, Trumbull wrote about the Hebrew Passover. How the significance of the Hebrew Passover rite stands out in the light of these primitive customs. It is not that this rite has it, had its origin in the days of the Hebrew exodus from Egypt. But that Jehovah then and there emphasized the meaning and sacredness of a rite already familiar to Orientals. In dealing with his chosen people, God did not invent a new rite or ceremonial at every stage of his progressive revelation to them. Remember also, let me jump in to say that the Israelites at the time did not know Yahweh. They had been surrounded by all sorts of pagan um, rituals, some um, that they adhered to. They were in Egypt, which was steeped in various religious rites. So the our Lord in his wisdom was speaking to them in a way that they would understand. Being Egyptianized, they did stay there uh, for a very long time, yeah? 400 years. Um, but God took a right with which they were already familiar and gave to it a new and deeper significance in its new use and relations. And there's one tradition that we all know, uh, especially those of us who live in the Western world, the practice of carrying the, the bride over the threshold is so that she wouldn't hit the threshold with her foot thus avoiding ill luck on the marriage. Let me continue to read uh, Trumbull a bit. Long before that day, a covenant welcome was given to a guest who was to become as one of the family or to a bride or bridegroom in marriage by the outpouring of blood on the threshold of the door and by staining the doorway itself with the blood of the covenant. And now Jehovah announced that he was to visit Egypt on a designated night and that those who would welcome him should prepare a threshold covenant or a Passover sacrifice as a proof of that welcome. 
For where no such welcome was made ready for him by a family, he must count the household as his enemy. Okay? Um, so God spoke of it as Jehovah's Passover. Uh, which is often the word also used for the lamb that is sacrificed. Trumbull still, Moses in reporting the Lord's message to the Hebrews did not speak of the proposed sacrifice as something of which they knew nothing until now. But he first said to them, draw out and take you, take you lambs according to your families and kill the Passover or the threshold crossover. And then he added details of special instructions for this new use of the old rite. Okay, so um, this is what, this is what I, I, I'm explaining. Let's read another translation. Uh, quoted in Trumbull, um, he also expanded it a bit, amplified uh, for, for, so that we would understand better. For the Lord will pass through the land to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts of the Hebrew homes, the Lord will pass over, cross over, or through the door. The Lord will pass over, cross over, or through the door, and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. So let me add to that, it makes sense, because if God enters into a covenant, He's invited in the covenant by the Israelites, by the, the, the blood on, on the door. He enters into a covenant. The covenant is made with God. So no other deity can claim that they have a covenant with the Israelites. Does that make sense? So this was a familiar figure in the ancient East. And um, the Egyptianized uh, Israelites will have been familiar with that. Okay. Right. That's enough. You can read Trumbull's book for yourself. And let me give you another example, another um, reference. And please, uh, just, it's, he's not the only one. Many people have understood that. This is um, Dr. Richard Booker, who is a scholar um, of the Bible and knows um, the Hebrew background very well. I'll just read a few things. Passover was the first of the three feast seasons in Jewish culture. Um, his website is Destiny Image. Yeah? It's a blog, and he has, in 2014, he posted something about Jesus and the Passover. So let me read. Passover, Passover was the first of the three feast seasons in Jewish culture. The Passover was to be a memorial to the Hebrews' deliverance from Egypt. This deliverance happened during the month of Nisan and represented God's first encounter with his covenant people. He gives us reference Exodus 12, 1 to 14, which I've just read, and also 43 to 41, which I haven't read, but feel free to go and read. You recall that God chose Moses as his instrument to lead the Hebrews out of bondage. Working through Moses, God sent 10 terrible plagues against Egypt. This was God's way of convincing Pharaoh to let the Hebrews go etc. You know the story. Every Hebrew man was to select for his household a lamb without spot or blemish. On the fifth day, he was to bring the lamb to his doorstep and kill him. As he killed the lamb, he would catch the blood in the basin at the foot of the doorstep. Then he would sprinkle the blood on both sides of the doorpost and above the doorpost. Thus, the entire entrance into the house was covered by the blood of the lamb. That night, God allowed the angel of death to pass through the land. As he passed from door to door, he sought to enter every household. If the entrance was covered by blood, the angel of death could not enter but had to pass over that house. If the entrance was not covered by blood, judgment would come upon that household as the firstborn would die. This was the Lord's Passover. So there's a double meaning here. The angel of uh, uh, death passing over the houses as in avoiding the house and God passing over the threshold as in ratifying the, co the covenant. This was the Lord's Passover. We see that he used the blood of the lamb to save his people from death. The blood of the lamb was their covering and protection. I'm still reading from Richard Booker now. I just interjected with, um, you, you know when I'm reading, when I'm not reading. If you have questions, let me know. The Hebrew word for Passover is Pesach. This word means to come under the protection of a deity by crossing over, jumping over, stepping over, or leaping over something. In this case, the threshold. 
Humankind's earliest primitive altar to the one true God, as well as false gods, was the threshold or entrance into the home. The threshold altar was the place where people made their sacrifices to their gods. The purpose was to request protection from the family deity, as well as inviting the deity into their house. When people dedicated the house to their god, they did so by making a sacrifice on the threshold. Dr. Richard Booker continues, etc., etc. Since the people were making a sacred blood covenant with their god, they were careful to cross over, step over, leap over, or jump over the blood. To trample on the foot, the blood was to show contempt and rejection of the covenant. Okay? And Richard Booker says, The common understanding of Passover that has come down to us over the centuries is that God somehow passed by the dwellings where the blood was applied. But the biblical understanding is much more powerful. When the people applied the blood to the threshold and doorway, they were inviting God to pass over or cross over the threshold into their house as their protector from the angel of death. God, in a sense, stood in the doorway protecting the people from death. He entered into a threshold blood covenant with the people as he crossed over the blood-stained threshold while his executioner entered the houses of those who did not have the blood. This Passover was actually a crossing over or threshold covenant. Fast forward 1,500 years later to Jesus' day. For centuries, the Jewish people had been celebrating the feast of Passover by killing a lamb and offering it as a sacrifice to God. They knew about lambs, but the blood of an animal could only cover their, cover their sins. It could not take them away. And also, may I add, that, that covering was temporary because they had to keep doing it offering lambs over and over again. In view of this, continuing with Richard Booker, God sent prophets to explain to the people that one day in the future, a human lamb would come who would deal with the problem of sin and death once and for Mashiach, Savior. As the time came for this human lamb to be sacrificed, God sent one last prophet to help the people recognize him. This prophet was John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. John introduced Jesus with these words, Behold the Lamb of God. John identified Jesus as the human lamb Isaiah spoke of, who would give his life for the sins of the world. Jesus was God himself, born as human, specifically for this purpose. Acts 2, 22 to 23 uh, explains that. Because of their religious sacrifices, the Jewish people immediately understood the significance of John's statements concerning Jesus, etc., etc., and he died. Okay? And he conquered death and sin and came back to life. And Paul writes, and that's where I'm going to stop, um, and then we'll conclude. But now in Christ Jesus, Messiah Yeshua, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, Messiah, as Ephesians 2.13. This means there is no condemnation for those who come to Jesus and receive him as Messiah, Lord and Savior, Romans 8.1. We shall not come into condemnation for we have passed from death to life, John 5.24. Okay, so this is why, what I invite you to do, to re-examine this, re-read these passages, asking Holy Spirit to bring life to the letter. Without the Spirit, the letter is dead, but the, the Holy Spirit brings life to the Word of God. I pray that this uh, renews your understanding of the meaning of Passover and the meaning of Easter. So, loved ones, that was the purpose of this special episode. Again, I invite you to give me feedback as you see fit, whether or not you agree, but just make sure you pray about it first and do a little bit of research. And then I'd be delighted to hear from you. Um, this is a concept that comes over and over again in the Bible, which is the reason why Samson took off with the gates of the Philistines. That, that's the topic for another time. Blessings. Bye. Till next time.